Hi, welcome to the Tell Me What You're Proud Of podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Maggie Perry. I'm a licensed psychologist with a doctorate degree in clinical psychology. I'm also the founder of the online group therapy platform, Huddle.Care. I love helping people overcome anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, mood disorders, and stress. Please join us each week as we share real sessions with actual clients that reveal helpful techniques for effectively dealing with anxiety, OCD, mood disorders, and stress. We'll discuss what effective therapy looks like, sounds like, and feels like. We'll follow our guests as they overcome their biggest fears and find that despite their biological vulnerabilities, they can still live a rich, full, and meaningful life. My therapeutic approach is strengths-based and seeks to find and reinforce what clients do well to help them generalize those skills towards areas where they're stuck. My model for psychotherapy can be summed up as this. You tell me what you're proud of, and I'll help you become effective and happy across all areas of your life. Thanks for listening, and let's get the show started. Hi, it's Dr. Maggie Perry with Tell Me What You're Proud Of, and this session, we're doing a wrap-up session with John. So John, tell us how you've been since your um, the last session we've had. Yeah, it's been really interesting. I think in your last podcast that I heard, there was a patient named Liz. She talked about there's another layer to OCD, and that really resonated for me. I feel like there was a while they were losing, or even years. Um, and that doesn't really happen anymore. Like I'll stuck in content and intrusive thoughts like that will still happen, but I don't have it like just rob me of my weekend anymore. So I thought that was interesting. Tell me more. What was, um, how did that resonate with you? The idea that it doesn't, your OCD doesn't rob you of weekends anymore. Yeah. Uh, there's like a lot of things that OCD kept me from doing um, because it was uncomfortable to, to go towards them. Um, and now it's, at least for me, I try to go towards this comfort a little bit each day and that helps me a lot. So if I'm sitting on my couch having an intrusive thought, I know I can go out for a walk in the cold and feel uncomfortable. And then when I'm sitting on my couch, that feels really comfortable now. Um, so that's one change that I've made recently. Okay. And are there other things that come to mind? Yeah. Uh, so today, like I'd always wanted to fly an airplane and I just was always afraid to. And there was also this decision, oh, should I do it? Should I not? Is it safe? But now I have a rule that if it's, I want to do something, I'm just going to do it. Um, and my OCD is going to pop in and out or be there for a really long time and I'll just do it. So today I was able to actually fly a little airplane and my OCD was there pretty much all the way through, but I was able to do it and it was great. So yeah, it's just, that's different. Yeah, that's great. We're going to edit this out, but do you mean you were like a pilot for an air on an airplane? I was just flying like a little small airplane. To like a, Tell me what you mean. Yeah, so they do this intro flight and there's like somebody there with me, right? Um, but I was like steering the plane and it was like this little tiny plane. It was great. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, edit back in. Um, yeah, that's a really great example. Um, so it sounds like you're relating to your fear completely differently. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I think one thing she talked about too was avoiding discomfort. And I think that's been a big change recently is 
I notice now how much I tried to avoid discomfort and how that kind of fed my OCD. I think going towards discomfort more has made it easier to deal with for me. And how are those related? How, like relating to your anxiety well and going towards discomfort, how have you learned, how do they feel related to you? To me, I always felt like I couldn't handle the OCD thoughts or the discomfort of whatever it might be, the doing the thing or going to the dentist or whatever. Um, it, so I would try to make myself comfortable. Oh, I can't do this because I don't feel uncomfortable. Or, and that just made me feel like I couldn't trust myself in that situation. Um, and going towards it, now I've built like, now I can lean back and say, oh, I was successful in this way. Um, and I can lean on that success when I'm in a state where I'm like, oh, can I handle this or not? Mm-hmm. Tell me more about leaning on the successes of the past. Yeah. Um, one thing I'll do is I'll try to simulate what it would feel like to give a speech or to do the thing that I really want to do. Um, and just the simulation will bring up my anxiety. Um, and then in those moments, because I'm just simulating it, I can think back, oh, I was able to handle it this other time or yesterday. Um, and that tends to help. Yeah, that's great. And what do you make of that ability for your mind to your mind to just use your imagination? But through your imagination, you can still have all the feelings that you're going to have if as though it was in real life. Like, what do you what do you what are your thoughts about the power that your mind has about that? It's great Um, because I've always struggled with this control thing. Like, I don't know where my level of control ends and where what's out of my control. but this feels like I have like this different level of control that I didn't know I had in terms of dealing with my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Tell me more about what you feel that you now have control over versus what you feel like you don't have control over. I think one thing I have control over is doing an action. So there are still things that scared me like today flying was super scary, um, but I can still do it even in the fear. So I don't have control over getting rid of the fear. That's just not something in my control. But I do have control over my actions and I can do the thing that I want to do. Yeah, totally agree with you. Are there other concepts that have been helpful even since we've talked last? Yeah, uh, compassion. So I've been really struggling a lot with going bald and it was really a long struggle. and I could understand it cognitively. Um, Like what was the belief keeping it? But it was still a struggle. Um, So then leaning into it was shaving my head really short. Um, And then that helped. Um, So finding like a more offensive approach towards my OCDs helped. Yeah, that's a great. Uh, that's a great example. So tell me more about a lot of people have trouble when they're trying to develop compassion. Can you say more about the process of developing compassion that you've undergone? Yeah, I think a lot of patience there. Um, It was not something that came easy to me. I think for me, it was always if I did something or I didn't do something like I wasn't able to go on that flight. I beat myself up over it. And I thought that that would be an effective way to like make me act the way I wanted to act. 
And now it was just like my habit. I, that was how I dealt with things. But I find that being compassionate is more effective. Um, and I was always afraid that, oh, it was too soft. But it's, I'm finding that that's not the case, that if I'm patient and compassionate to myself, I can actually do the things I want to do. And if I slip, then I can kindly try again next time. Um, so it's just more effective. Yeah, I totally agree with you. That's a really great description. Um, and are there other things that are coming to mind? What else is coming to mind? In terms of? Um, how you've been kind of since our last session. So it sounds like in many ways things are going really well. You're not, your time is not robbed from OCD as much. You're feeling a lot more compassionate. Um, you're feeling like your relationship with fear is better. Um, are there other things that are going well or things that you're struggling with? Yeah, um, I still struggle with the intrusive thoughts, right? Um, so the bald stuff and like the aging stuff still, it's hard. And I feel like I'm doing the things I'm able to do to not resist it, but for some reason it's still sticky. And maybe it just needs to be like running in the back of my mind as I go about my day. And maybe that'll over time dissipate. I don't know. What, exactly. do, you, what do you think is keeping it sticky? Yeah, that's the thing I don't know. I mean, I, to me, the belief is that I will not be able to belong. Like I'll look old and I won't be able to date in the way I want to date. And I won't be able to, like, there's just this ageism that I feel, and maybe it's my projection, but I feel that there's an ageism in society. And as I age, people will look at me differently and less opportunities will be available. I think that's my fear that's keeping it. Um, yeah, so I think that's the feeling keeping it. Mm -hmm. And then how are you, how do you try to cope with that fear? Right. Um, well, one coping technique is what's important to me um, and like what brings me joy and what motivates me. And that is not having hair in my head. That's the things I do. Um, so that's kind of my counterbalance to it. Mm -hmm. And what do you mean by the things that you do? So yeah, just the things I do day to day. Um, I am very intentional about what I do with my days now. Um, and that means a lot to me, much more so than other things. So that's what I mean by things that I do. Mm -hmm. Can you be more specific? About the specific things I do? Yeah, that are more meaningful to you than, for instance, the hair on your head? Yeah. Um, I like to do things that are creative and create and be curious and explore my curiosities. Um, I like to write and find new skills. Um, and I also like to collect data now. I think I found that really helpful in terms of guiding what I do every day. And then I'll do something and I'll rate how did that feel when I was doing it. And if over time it's like an eight, like I'll read it out of a 10. And if over time it's an eight, nine, then that's something I want to keep doing, even if I'm feeling tired or bored. And if it's something that's like a four or three or two, then it's something I can discard and not really explore anymore. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a great. Can you tell me more about how you arrived at that system? That's a really great um, system. Yeah, I think it's been a journey of just being curious and then finding out what other people were doing, incorporating some of that, and then putting my own twist on it. Um, so I have a schedule of what I do every single day from start of the day to get all my checklist done and then I can just relax for the rest of the day to kind of balance and not burn myself out. <clears throat> um, but it was just being curious. And then like, I got curious about how to do Google sheets and Google sheets, let me make a schedule for myself. That was really cool to follow. And so one curiosity led to another, and then I don't even remember where I got the idea. I think it was a YouTube video I watched to like rate my activities. And so it's just about being curious and getting information from people that play poker on how they make decisions and getting information on ultra runners on how they, they do their workouts and go towards discomfort. And it's just all these curiosity kind of coalesced together for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All of that makes sense to me. It seems like in the presence of fear, it's really challenging to be curious. Did, did you feel the process of becoming more curious as your anxiety decreased? Absolutely. I think one thing you talked about in the podcast last time was once my day-to-day -day compulsions dropped, then I was able to experience more. And so once that happened, I was, yeah, I think that's what led to me being able to experiment, experiment with my curiosities. Yeah, that's a really, so I don't, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily come into therapy saying, that they're hoping to become more curious, but rather curiosity is kind of the natural um, consequence of becoming less anxious and being curious about the process of how you relate to anxiety more effectively. So it's great to hear that that's really generalized for you. Yeah. Um, great, okay. Are there any, is there anything that you're struggling with? Yeah, I think intrusive thoughts still trip me out um and ego also i struggle with um like one thing i was i was heading towards this podcast was i didn't want to just be oh look how great i'm doing like inflate my ego um i wanted it to be more like a genuine conversation about what's going on and exploring what's going on for me mm -hmm. yeah that completely makes sense um can you say more about how you think your ego is involved in your anxiety or, or where do you think your ego shows up? Yeah, I think it shows up in terms of, I think one of the reasons why I've struggled with social anxiety a lot is because I look for validation from others and to please them is my thinking on how to do that. And I think my ego plays a role in that. I think, oh, look how many people like me and that just kind of feeds my ego. And it's not about like deep, meaningful connections. It's more about Look at the numbers I have um, or this particular experience. And those experiences could just go away, right? Like somebody could move or whatever. Um, so that's how it me up is it pushes me away from my values and more towards inflating things that aren't even that important to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you know what's important to you? I think we talked about it last time. It was like values are what's important. Like what are my values? And they're not like very specific goals. They're just like broader ideas. And those things are kind of what drives me.
Mm -hmm. Okay. And then how do you, how do you relate? How do you know what's your ego versus what's your values? Yeah, I struggle with that, honestly. Uh, and it tricks me still. Um, so I think that's a struggle still. Mm -hmm. Do you want to be more specific about that? What makes it a struggle? Sure. Like I'll use today as an example, going on a flight was super interesting and exciting for me. But then like my ego was like, oh, you got to bring this up. And like, what an accomplishment. Um, and like kind of in a braggadocious way. And so the intention, I think, is not so much the bringing up the flight thing, it's more the intention behind it. The intention was not, let me show how this is related to my OCD or just something that I really enjoyed. It's more bragging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, can you tell why you, you, so as you notice that, can you tell why you talked about it anyway? Yeah, because it felt like it fit in terms of what you were asking. Yeah, that makes sense. So how do you, how do you reconcile those two things? I think if I can find an intention that makes sense to me, and maybe it's my mind still tricking me, right? Like maybe my mind is feeding me, oh, well, this is a good intention. But if I can find an intention that makes sense to me, that is within my values, that's, that I can work with that. But if the intention is I'm just trying to inflate myself, then that doesn't really feel good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and it takes, I think that's where like mindfulness comes in because it takes a lot of mindfulness to like, hold yourself accountable to that and really recognize what your intentions are um, and where there's avoidances or where there's, um, I guess, not, yeah, where there's avoidances and where there's um, the intentions that maybe don't fit your values. Um, okay, well, is anything else coming to mind? Yeah, I think vulnerabilities come to mind. I think that's something else I've been exploring with. So right now I'm starting to feel anxious for some reason and it just kind of popped up, wasn't there before. And I think being comfortable and sharing that has been a game changer. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was in this class and I just shared, oh, I have social anxiety. And I didn't like think, oh, going into that class, I was going to share that. And even after having shared it, I didn't really pause to think about that I shared it. Um, but I'm glad I did. And I was able to like 10 minutes later to notice that I did. And that was really hard for me to share, um, in the past before that class, it was always something that felt shameful to say, I have social anxiety or that I'm feeling anxious right now. Um, but I think at least gradually in just sharing that out loud has made it easier and less shameful. Mm -hmm. What's what do you think has happened to make you feel less shame over time? I think practice with it. I've started to habituate sharing things that I feel shameful about. And that has not been like a disaster or catastrophe. It's made my shame actually go down. So yeah. And, and you notice that you don't um, get judged or rejected and then you feel less shame about it. Right. Um, Great. Yeah, that's like exactly how exposure for social anxiety works. And especially when there's like an element of shame involved too. So like um, shame or sharing is the antidote to shame. So the when you feel shame, if you can share it, then you're 
less likely to feel it as intensely in the future. Yeah, that's been my experience with this for sure. Um, great. Um, well, it sounds like everything is going really well. Are there things in particular that you've learned in this experience that you want to share? I think one thing I learned was how important it is to share my story and then the story that I tell myself. Um, I think those two things have been interesting. I think it was the first interview you did with me that I talked about. There's like a process to being able to share my story and over time I try to get better at it and I feel like I have. Um, and then the story I tell myself is really important because if I'm telling myself a story of I can't do this thing or I should be ashamed of having social anxiety, then it's really easy to just stay in a negative place. But if I tell myself a story of I can do all these things or I slip that time, maybe next time I'll, I'll act in the way I want to, that makes it easier to be more successful and do the things I want to do. Yes, that is. So basically you're shifting to the idea that overcoming what you struggle with is practice, not something that you have to perfectly be able to do the first time through. Definitely. Um, great. All right. Well, thank you for the, everything you've shared. It sounds like you made a lot of progress and I appreciate you have you being uh, here to share. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you felt any benefit from the show, please let us know and share it with anyone you think would also find benefit. As a disclaimer, please consult your doctor or therapist before attempting any strategies shared here. Thank you.